and I heard this one about making beds, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I just wonder what Pastor Andre would think of this particular podcast. So I bookmarked it, and then I called, as soon as I finished, I called him up and said, Andre, come on over here. I want to play this podcast for you. So we sat there, and we listened to that podcast, and at the end of that podcast, Andre got a little emotional. And uh, I said, well, what, what's going on? And he said, John, that's my story. That is my story. I didn't have a bed when I was growing up. Welcome to an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'm a normal guy. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm an entrepreneur. And I've been a football coach in inner city Memphis in the last part It unintentionally led to an Oscar for the film about our team. It's called Undefeated. Guys, I believe our country's problems will never be solved by a bunch of fancy people in nice suits using big words that nobody understands on CNN and Fox, but rather an army of normal folks, us, just you and me deciding, hey, I can help. That's what Reverend John Anderson and Andre Forges have done. After being an orphan himself in Haiti, Andre somehow built an incredible orphanage called Place of Hope in Haiti that today is home to 45 children who otherwise wouldn't have a home. And after John played for Andre, our episode on Sleep and Heavenly Peace, which has built 140,000 beds for kids without them here, Andre felt called for the kids at his orphanage to build beds for Haitian kids without them. Orphans are doing this. Orphans building beds for children with homes. I find it just so unbelievably awesome, and I can't wait for you to meet Andre and John right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, everybody. Uh, Lisa and I have four kids, and um, as they got into their teen years, um, (laughs) uh, wireless service uh, became a thing at the Courtney household. And after years of fine print contracts and paying a whole lot more for providers than what I thought, um, if we've learned anything, um, there's always a catch to wireless service. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans were 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, nah, what's the catch? But after talking to these folks, it, it really all made sense. And there isn't a catch. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass those sweet, sweet savings directly onto you. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month. You can say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Um, All plans come with unlimited talk and text 
uh, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's not like a cheap plan that you don't get good service on. It's uh, the nation's largest 5G network. You, you use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. All you got to do is bring your phone number along with your existing contacts so you lose nothing. Uh, you can ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. Uh, to get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash folks. That's mintmobile.com slash folks. Guys, cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash folks. Additional taxes, fees, restrictions to apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today is a cool day. We um, we started the morning getting covered by um, the local. Uh, what is that? Was it CBS, CBS or ABC? Alex? CBS affiliate. CBS. Mm -hmm. CBS. The local CBS affiliate covered our story. And we got to spend some time this morning at the news station. And now we're getting to spend time this afternoon to tell the story of Andre the Giant, which is interesting because I remember Andre Giant being this Cro-Magnon looking guy that was about six foot 11, 400 pounds that wrestled on WWE. But Andre the Giant in this case is a five foot nine inch Haitian. <laughs> who's never wrestled a day in his life other than with just wrestling through life. And Andre, I can't wait to tell your story. And his friend and mentor, without whom I wouldn't even know who Andre is, which is John Anderson. So Andre and John, welcome. Thanks for being in Memphis. Thanks Thank for having us. for having us. So your story is um, unique to our podcast and beyond inspirational and the reason it's unique is we're starting to do organic stories stories that are born out of the podcast itself mm -hmm. but it's also unique and that you're the first guy that we've interviewed that has heard about one of our stories and decided to do exactly what he heard in that story you heard the blueprint through the story you know the architect of the story 
and it's Luke Mickelson from Sleep and Heavenly Peace. And you are now going to take what you learned from his story and do it in your own community, which is exactly what the goal of an army of normal folks is. And you're the first story that we get to tell that has latched on to the goal. Um, but uh, how you're doing it and who you're doing it for and who you're doing it with, which we will reveal later in the show, is um, just beyond inspirational. I can't wait to tell that story. But first, Andre, tell me about you. Where do you come from? How did you grow up? Tell me about Andre the Little Giant when he was just a, a kid running around. Where do you come from? And tell me all that. Well, I was born in Haiti. I was born in a family of uh, six, and I was the fourth of the family. And uh, my father, when I was born, he has TB, you know, which is a very serious thing. So she could not take care of me, you know, and then she has to um, take me to the orphanage. But after a little while, I realized that, you know, to be with my family, that's the best thing, you know, instead of, you know, the orphanage, because I have my mom and my dad, and even he has TB. So I decide to go and, you know, stay and live with them. So God gave me a little gift. I remember when I was at the orphanage, I got a gift from my sponsor from here. And that gift, there was a little box in it. When I opened it, I saw some Crayola, you know, like the little painting. So I used that Crayola, that's painting, to do some little little trees and stuff like that so I can sell them. Yes, I did sell them, and with that money, I helped my mom with her medicine and, you know, to get her feet. How old were you when you went to the orphanage? I was uh, three, three years old. So yeah. was your family in poverty? Well, um, not like, and not really in poverty just to beg, but they simply cannot, you know, take care of of us because thing was really tough. And my dad has pneumonia, so he was sick too. So that's make it very difficult for uh, for them to take care of the family. Was your father able to work? Uh, yes, he did. But at that time, he wasn't work. You know, he was years after that at the uh, sugar factory. Sometimes he spent like um, three days working, never come home. He so stayed he, at the factory? Yeah, all day, all night. He'd been working, you know, just to bring a uh, little food on the table just for two days meals. What, you know, people see on TV Famine and poverty in other countries, oftentimes in places like Africa. And, you know, I, I think because you see the images over and over again in magazines and on TV, we become a little desensitized to um, areas that are wrought with poverty. Um, and, and the other thing is, you know, if, if you look at a map, Haiti and the Dominican Republic are next door to each other. There's a line driven down, drawn down the middle of an island. 
And in the Dominican Republic, it's largely um, a successful place. And then there's a line on a map on the exact same island with people who are generally the same. But in Haiti, it is abject poverty. Why is that? Well, I wish I can answer that question, you know. Um, I'm going to try my best. The country is very corrupt. Country. It's corrupt. Yes. You probably know that. So my wife told me, please <laughs> try to stay from, from kind of these things, you know, like uh, politics and things like that. But, you know, that's, yes, it's very corrupt country. Uh, that's the reason that Haiti is like that. And also, people will use to do the garden, to do the planting, you know, in the mountain. So everybody are focusing, you know, to go to Port-au-Prince, to the cities. You know, they left the lands and everything they used to rock, you know, to produce like corn, beans, you know, rice. So they just go to Port-au-Prince. You know why they go to Port-au-Prince? No. Because they think that they're close to Miami. Everyone just focus, you know, to come to the United States. Is, other than people who run the government, is there any money in Haiti for families, for normal families? Is there any way to, for a family to pull themselves out of poverty? If it were the government, I'm sorry to say that, no. So the reality is... When people hear that you had a mother and a father that were ill, but sent their three-year-old to an orphanage, it wasn't that they didn't love or care. They literally did not have the means exactly. to care for you. Yes, yes, exactly. That's terrible because it's so poverty-stricken that it tears families up. Yes. So how long did you live in the orphanage? Uh, I didn't stay for probably like a few years a few years. Yes, a few years. And at what age? Well, I can remember, you know, I think some people, I can remember, I think, when I was five years mm -hmm. old, maybe. I'm sure I can remember things from first mm -hmm. grade when I was six. So if you stayed a few years, you were six or seven. How... um how did it feel being in an orphanage, knowing your family was not far away? That was hard. That was really hard. Uh, I had a problem, too. You know, um, when I was born, my leg was crooked. I have two um, um, very bracelet uh, legs. So that makes it even very difficult for me. And, you know, the, the worst thing is, you know, when you see the other kids play, you know, then they play like soccer or high and seek. You cannot, you know, just watch them play. And then as a boy, you cannot do that, you know, because of my, the facts I have in my legs. And the worst thing is uh, when I go to school, make it hard for me to sit in the bench because of the legs, you know. So, and then I get bully. They, they used to call me an ex. An X. X. <laughs> this is the X boy. Because your legs because, crossed. Yeah, the, the X boy, you know. But, you know, I didn't get that, you know, get me down. You know, I just keep going and do what I got to do. You know, thank God, you know, in my leg with 
was healed and I will be able to to walk normally and then try to get a job. You know, as, as the age of like eight or 10, you know, I went to the missionary and tried to ask them for a job, you know, to clean the motorcycle, you know, water the garden and stuff like that. You know, that's for 50 cents, you know. I, I think I read that at some point, and I'd like to know what age you were, you hung around a hotel hoping to see American businessmen or businessmen coming in where if maybe you carried their suitcase, they'd give you a cookie or something. Yeah, there was a, there was a guest house. Yeah, I was there, and then uh, there was a missionary who came with a suitcase, and, uh, you know, and he gave you a cookie. His name is uh, Johannes, Johannes and Louis Schuhard from um, Germany. They're still in Haiti. And he took yeah. a... He took an interest in you. Yes. And he helped me. They helped me a lot. They helped me with my school. Um, he has a school. So he has school, trade school. So with that little gift God gave me, so he gave me a job in that trade school to make that little picture, you know, uh, for them. So I, with that money, I, I pay my school with that. And how old were you? I probably like 10, 10 years, 11 years old. 10 years old. Yes. So then you went home. Oh, yes. I went home. So at 11 years old, I got a job, you know, and cleaning the car for the missionary, you know, and the garden they have, you know, I have watered the garden and I have to fertilize, you know, the garden. So... And then how to do that is go and get the cow, you know, stuff. Yeah, yeah. the fertilizer. <laughs> yeah, the cow exactly. Makes. And, right. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes, um, you know, the fresh one you cannot pick it up, so you have to burn it <laughs> to make it dry, so you can put it in the bag and you know to make extra money. You know, and then I, I had a little sister, and I'm the one who pays school for her too, at that age. I I read that when yes. you first showed up at home. Your father said, I can't feed you. And you said, it's okay. If you eat, I eat. If you don't eat, I don't eat. Yes. That speaks to me to just how bad you wanted to be at home. Oh, yes. Home is home. Sweet home. You know, no one wants to stay in the orphanage. You know, And then the experience I had in that orphanage at that time, even the little kids, I got food. I got good food. You know, that's the orphanage was running by uh, by missionary from Canada. Good food. You know what I, I miss? I never say anybody say that I love you. You know, hold you in your home. It's just like you're in book, book camp, you know, and this go to church and go to school and this hope, hope, go to bed and this and that. But hard home is different, you know. Uh, I think it's important for our listeners to understand that later on we will talk about what you're doing now. And I think it's really important to understand where you come from to give perspective on why you do what you do and why you poured yourself into it. And now a few messages from our generous sponsors. But first, I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast so that you'll get the newest episodes in your library every week. 
And also, consider signing up to join the Army at normalfolks.us because together we can change the country. And you'll also receive weekly email updates about the Army. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So, you met a woman and got married. I met a woman and got married. You know, <laughs> I want you to tell that whole story. <laughs> yeah, I going, want you to tell that whole story. You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell this whole story. You know, I was in Port-au-Prince, you know, at school in Port-au-Prince. And then I never have a, a girlfriend, okay? So my sister called me and told me about she meet a beautiful girl, you know, a Haitian girl. How, how old are you? Uh, let's see, I was uh, 18. 18? Yeah. And then uh, I said, no, I'm not interested because I have a bigger vision, you know, because I want to succeed. I want to walk. I want to do something, you know, for my life. So she keep persisting. So I took a bus, probably like three, four hours, you know, to Lake High. And my sister gave me a book. This is a girl who came to um, take her mother to the hospital, but they have to go through my house, you know, because there was thirsty. In Haiti, long time ago, if you need water, you're thirsty, and you can go any place, you know, and then you knock on the door, they open the door, and then you say, can I have a glass of water? They will give you water. They have a special glass for visitors. Okay. So that the same thing happened to my sister. 
So they stop at my house where my sister is and to get some water. And they, that was almost the same age, you know, and they talk and stuff like that. So my sister just loved that girl for me. So one day my sister told me, uh, you better go and visit her, you know. So I said, okay. Man, I wake up at five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> five o'clock in the morning. And uh, I walk six hours. You walked? Walk. Six hours. Six hours. And at that time, How many door stops did you have to get a sip of water on the way? My goodness, that's a <laughs> no, lot of water. Know, I, the, the only thing I had, you know, that's a piece of sugar cane. You know, I got a, um, a piece of sugar cane. I've been eating all the way. And so there was no bridge. I have just crossed all the water like that. But when I get to the village and I saw a boy, I, I asked the boy, you know, I'm looking for this girl and this and that. He said, oh, okay, I know where she lives. So she bring me to a house and I knock and there's a girl came and I said, mm, I don't think that's that her. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the way my sister described that, <laughs> that's not her, you know? <laughs> so, and then he said, I told her, oh, yeah, I'm looking for this and that. He said, oh, there's another one, you know? And she lived way, way in the mountain. So that took me 30 minutes. You had to go up a mountain? Yeah. That oh took me 30 minutes to go to the mountain. So when I reached to her house, somebody went to her house to me, so I walk in, knock on the door. And I expect that that girl going to open the door, to, you know, so, so I can see her. And then the door is open, and who I saw? That's her father. And they said, how can I help you? You know, I cannot tell her I come to see your daughter. No, mm -mm, not in Haiti. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I said, well, I just passed by, you know, I need a glass of water. So she called someone to bring me the glasses of water. I thought that was her, but that wasn't her. After I drank the water, I said, can I have some more? They gave me, you know, a second cup. I drank it. And then I keep walking. I don't even know where I'm going. I passed the house. But while I was in the mountain, I saw a girl coming from, from the hill with a bucket of water in her head. And I kept looking, looking. I said, well, that must be her. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, it's beautiful. So uh, by the time she went home and I just rung from the hill, you know, and I just grabbed that water from her head. You know, she didn't see me. She would go like this. What's going on? You know, so I help her with the water. And then my heart is beating so hard. You know, that's the first time. And so I try to, to grab like something, a flower or something like that. You know, get in my knees, you know, grab like a, a dead flowers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I get in my knees and I told her, my name is Andre. Please, will you marry me? And you so, just met her? Yeah. Will oh, you marry he, me? He's not finished. <laughs> will you marry me so we can have a son named Gino? Just that. That's the first date. <laughs> you know? And she looked at can me. Can I ask you a question? Yes. <laughs> You're telling me. That you walked up to a girl you'd never met. Yes. You snatched a bucket of water off her head mm -hmm. and gave her a dead flower and asked her to marry you. Actually, it's not even the dead flowers. It's something like, I would say. Andre, you may trash. be a pastor, but if this all worked out, you got mm -hmm. game, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, 
She looked at me. She said, are you, you know, like Betsy's uh, brother? I said, yes. And then she think that, you know, there's something is not right with me. Yeah, you know? no, I, I think most you people know, think and, there's something not right with you at this you know, point. I just left. I said, bye-bye, you know. I just left because, you know, I, I realized, man, what I'm doing, what I did. So I back six hours, six hours back home because I can afford like 50 cents to take a tap-tap. A tap-tap is a transportation in Haiti. So my sister was so excited, see me coming. I said, how'd that go? And I told her, I said, oh, man, that's not the way. You know, she was so disappointed with me. So the very next day, you know, I take a bus and go back to PowerPoint. I haven't come back to the city for like a year. So I decided to come back to the city one day. I sit down. There was uh, a church um, and, and plain air. You know, every year there was probably like 300 churches get together for three days, but that was in plain air. So while I sit down and I heard uh, a hand, I said, Mr. Forge. And I look, that was her. You know, wow. I said, oh, my heart was beating, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying not to make the same mistake. Okay. So. And she said, can I sit by you? I said, oh, yes, yes. You know, I got a book in my hand, and, you know, I tried to put the book so she can sit. He said, no, I'm fine. You know, so she sit there. So I've been talking, but nothing about love, nothing, you know, just things that's no value. But before she left to go home, I opened the books. I put something in the books. I tell her that I'm going to let you use that book. That book was uh, written by uh, African pastor, Andrew Abdul. So she loved that book, and then I gave it to her. And while she's leaving, I tell her that, excuse me, there's a little, you know, homework in, in that book, so please, you know, check it out <laughs> when you have time. So this is the homework. The first page, I put a J, like je t'aime. She tell me, I love you. The first page, I put a J. And the second page, there's a little apostle, you know? And then I go, Tem. So I, I, did, I did that, you know, in the end of the books. And each page, you know, sometimes I flip like three pages, you know, and put a little um, letter on it. So after a few days, no, a few weeks, and she bring back the books, you know, she came, you know, to see the doctor again with her mom and she gave the books. I said, do you realize what you find out? What is in, and, and he said, yes, yes. I said, what you said? He said, well, I have to pray. I'm going to pray. Man, this lady take eight years, eight years to pray about it. <laughs> eight years. Eight years, my friend. <laughs> and every Saturday... Every Saturday, she make me walk like almost 12 hours to go and see her on the mountain for eight straight years. I think had you not proposed the minute you saw her, it might have been three years. But yes, I think, I think yes. it was a five-year tax yes. for being so aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she became your wife. She became my wife. The day she said, Phenomenal. okay, she did, she said, okay. <laughs> So, um, Andre, I think we can establish you grew up very poor. Yes. You had to go to an orphanage. 
you experienced sadness and bullying and the loss of your family. And somehow inside of you, it built a strength of a man who was willing to walk six miles every week for eight years <laughs> to find the love of his life. And um, uh, you're trying to figure your way out. Yes. Where, what am I doing next? Well, um, after we, okay, I just told you that when God called you in the ministry, he gave you a package. Listen to this. And I'm pretty sure that my wife was in the package. While I was visiting my wife, my girlfriend, he, he has two brothers, three brothers, but the older one is in Port-au-Prince. So the two brothers live with her. They hate me, man. <laughs> They hate, I don't know why they hate me. Because so you're dating their sister. That's why they hate yeah, you. Yeah, but that's that's not hate again, man. That's is more than hate. Every time when I come, when I go over there and they said, get out dog, get out dog. They don't talk to me just directly, but there was no dog. That was me. You know? <laughs> so they decide to call Bigger Brother in Port-au-Prince because Bigger Brother is doing, you know, karate, you know, things like that. So, you know, to kick me out in the house. So one day, um, while I was coming on Saturday, my girlfriend just rung in the gate. She told me, please, please don't go today. Don't come today. You come another day. But she don't want to tell me what's going on in the house. I said, why? You know, he said, please, don't, don't, don't come another day. I said, yeah, but I have to come and say hello to your mama. He said, no, you know, but I came anyway. Why I would sit down? You know, I heard a lot of discussion in the other room. You know, I hate it mostly. There's two rooms in the house, not more than two rooms. So I heard that my girlfriend was crying because uh, her brother has a big stick in his hand <laughs> and come out and come out and, uh, you know, in the living room to hit me. And when he looked at me, and he said, Andre, I said, Bob, how are women in the orphanage together? <laughs> and he could no longer be yeah. angry at you because you were friends. Yeah. He said, Andre, I said, Bob. You know, the, uh, you know, the good thing is, and he told her mother, you remember when you come to see me at the orphanage? Because I used to live close to the orphanage. And that person that you sleep, that was his grandpa, mama. And the bread that you all, you said that guy always gave you, that is his father. I said, thank God. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's, I that was in the package, okay? I, I would say that, <laughs> uh, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of in at that point. Yeah. Yeah. The family loves you. Yes. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. John, um, there's this crazy story of this guy from Haiti named Andre, who we've just learned all about. And your introduction to him was nothing more than really a miracle, too. Um, And for our listeners, the whole reason I'm sitting here with Andre and John is because John heard an episode about Luke Mickelson from Sleep in Heavenly Peace. And um, I beg all of you to send me emails and tell me about stories. And John took me up on it. And you sent me a very long email that after reading it, my eyes had teared up. And I think I reached out to you immediately and said, I got to meet this guy. But in the letter, you open with um, how you met him. Yeah. Tell us a story of how you came to to know Andre. All right. Well, Andre was one of those people who wanted to come to the United States. And, and Andre expressed to me that in Haiti, everybody thinks of the United States, there's just money lying along the side of the road. <laughs> and you could just scoop up the money if, if you need something and, and get whatever it is that you need. Well, every tree is a money. Every, every tree. tree. Yeah. Money yeah. growing on trees. Tree yeah. 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 Now that you've been here, you know that's not oh, the case. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, Andre, in, in something that he hasn't said is that he and his wife, Angie, actually raised seven children before they started their own family. And there were seven orphans. And this was the genesis of, of the place of hope, actually. But he came to the United States so he could pick some of that money off the trees and help feed the kids. With the he, seven children? With the seven children. And his wife. And his wife. No, excuse me. The seven children that I I raised, no, that was in, that was in Haiti. That's okay. Why, when I came to the United States, there was 20. <laughs> Yeah, 20. Okay, 20 in, in a billion. And I'll, I'll tell you about that in a second. Mm. But he comes to the United States, and he uh, he was trying to, to raise money. He, he got a phone call from someone who was watching the kids. Yeah, the house mother. Yeah, the house mother. And she, she told him the kids have only had coconut to eat for the last three weeks. They have diarrhea. They're on the verge of dehydration. We need to do something. So Andre borrowed a car. 
and uh, started driving up the main road in Naples. He went to one church, church yes. there, and he pushes the doorbell. It was locked. There was a lockout, and they said, "How can we help you?" He said, "Well, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to the pastor." No, at that time, he had only one bag of rice to send to Haiti. And, for the kids. And uh, the, they said, the pastor's not here. And then finally, somebody came out and said, you're going to have to leave the property. Or we're going to call the police. Well, Andre's here. And, and the whole time, John, Andre's simply asking, he's trying to tell the story of these kids at this orphanage yeah. in Haiti that need right. food. Yes. Yep. That are sick because right. all they've eaten for three weeks are coconuts. And all he wants really is a bag of rice so he can send back to Haiti. A bag of rice. A bag Just of rice. That's, that's all he wants. So after that experience, he, he decides, well, I, I still have to find something. So he, he goes up to the next church, which we were the next church. I was pastoring at that church at that time in Naples. And uh, we remember that day a little bit differently. I'm, since you asked me, I'm going to tell you my story. But I, I knocked on the door. I heard this knocking at the door. It's just a light tapping. And I look at, go out in the hall, and there's a glass doors at the end of the hall. And I look down the Hall and and uh, here's a man, a Haitian man, literally cap in hand, and uh, standing outside the door. And I open up the door and I say, "How can I help you?" And he said, "I'd like to ask you about help for my orphanage." I said, "Well, why don't you come in my office and let's sit down and chat?" So we went and we sat down. And Andre, uh, since he the last church. They threatened to call the police on him. Mm -hmm. He left the car running. Warning. And, uh, and they in case, they, they, in yeah. case the police came. And when in he case. sat down. <laughs> That's hilarious. When, when he sat down on the chair in my office, he didn't sit all the way back. He sat on the edge yeah, so he could make a quick to exit. Time to go. <laughs> yeah. But I said, well, Andre, take my hands. Let's, let's pray. And so we sat and we prayed together. And then after our amen, uh, I said, how can I help you? And then he told me about how he has 20 orphans in Haiti and uh, they are on, on the verge of dehydration and they need some help. Clearly on a shoestring budget, if any budget at all. Uh, absolutely. And what he asked for, he said, we're trying to raise $18 a month for each of those kids. I said, well, how can... bucks a month, 5,000 5, a year. Well, and and he he knew I couldn't cover the whole thing, but... He, there was enough there for me to, to go on. And so I said, well, how can I get back in touch with you tomorrow? I need to, I want to go and talk to my wife. So I went home that night, talked to my wife, and then called him the next day. My wife and I said, well, we'll we, we could take care of two of those orphans, but we'll pay the whole year now so that they could spread it among all the kids that way. I had a feeling that's what they're going to do anyway. So we said, okay. So we sent them, I think it was 380 bucks or yes. something like that. yes. And that began our relationship. He came to our church. I uh, introduced him to some people. Some people put money in his hand. Eventually, our missions committee picked it up, and Andre had a, a growing concern at that point. It was a, a there was some viability to it. In the meantime, I had a small group that I was working with, and um, I told them about this this guy in this orphanage, and they said, "Well, we ought to go over and take a look at it." So two of them. Went over. Uh, they flew over. I guess three, because Mike went. Mike Schaefer went Mike too. Schaefer was the, yes. So three of them went across to Haiti, and looked at the place. Well, the place that they had at the time, it was the orphanage was one room. It was just a, a singular with building. twenty kids. Twenty kids plus 20 kids. two workers. One table, one chair, one spoon. 
no plumbing, no electricity. It was just a shelter. And he had 20 kids who was operating out of it. And they looked at that and they said, well, gosh, I don't know how this is ever going to work out. Well, they all turned out to be very good supporters of the project. And later on, we would, um, Andre, we began to dream together. What What's this? What's your vision of this of this uh, of this orphanage, Andre? And he would tell me what the vision was, and we began to sketch little drawings out on a piece of paper. One of the things he said that'll come into play a little bit later on is, I said, "Listen," because he wants to put a church in. That was a principal criteria for him was to put a church on the property. And I said, "Well, Andre, if you put a church on that property, one day I'm going to come down. I'm going to preach in that church, and you're going to translate for me." And uh, Andre said, okay. What we didn't find out until, I don't know, maybe it was 10 or 12 years yes. later, <laughs> I was sitting on the platform of that church. And he looked at me and he said, uh, you know, this is an answer to prayer. And I said, how are you talking? What do you mean? And he said, well, 10 or 12 or whatever period of time it was before, we had sat down, we talked, and you said that you are going to preach and I was going to translate, today's the day. Well, that was right before I went up to the pulpit. And by that time, I had tears streaming down my cheeks from, from the memory of us of doing that. But, but we dreamed together about what that campus might look like someday. How, how, how many years ago was this? Uh, this must have been in about 04. 04. So yeah. plus 18, minus. 19 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So 18, 19 years ago, there was a quote orphanage right. which was a one bedroom right. no electricity no water running right place where 20 kids were surviving for 3 weeks on coconut yep and that was better than what they'd come from yes yeah. yeah and and I don't think any of us could really understand poverty until you've been down there and seen it we we have poverty here but their poverty is you, you haven't eaten for a week. Andre told me a story about how he saw a man eating mud because he needed mm -hmm. something in his stomach. The poverty down there is, um, it's stunning. And Andre didn't, he left out some of the parts of his story too, but uh, he came from serious poverty. And so now when when he hears somebody in America say, well, I'm starving to death. Well, <laughs> you just like my daughter, you know, he, she live here. And sometimes she, dad, I'm hungry. You know, I'm starving. And I starve. And do you know what starving means? You say, I'm hungry, dad. And in the fridge, there's milk. There's peanut butter. You know, there's bread. And you told me starving, you know. And then sometime when I was a little kid, I go to school with one orange for whole day. Eight o'clock, you have to be at school until four o'clock. Come home. Sometimes when you come home, there's nothing to put in your stomach. You know, you go to bed, stomach empty. And you told me that you're starving. You know, you don't know what, <laughs> what starving means. Um, so, yeah. I, th I think for perspective, it's really important to understand that uh, money doesn't grow on trees in the United States. But when a kid who we would say in the U.S. is in poverty gets to go to school and get free breakfast and free lunch, um, who almost 
assuredly can find shelter and clothing and an education and transportation and most likely have the basic sustenance provided for Yeah, that while the American dream is not that, and I'm not discounting that level of American poverty to a Haitian kid that's rich. Yeah, absolutely. And we need to keep in perspective what, what real poverty looks like in parts of our world. And yep. Haiti is 350 miles off the Texas coast that, in our hemisphere. Yeah, just below Cuba. Just below Cuba. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not talking about some faraway mythical place. No. We're talking about people who share the Gulf of Mexico with... Two-hour plane ride. What's that? Two-hour plane ride from Miami. Two-hour plane ride from Miami. Yep. And we're talking about children that literally are starving to death. Yeah. And so a guy like Andre steps up and says, okay, I'm going to take care of 20 of these kids in a one-room hut. And that's and as, as Andre said, and I think that that's appropriate, is that life is a package. And the fact that Andre came from that poverty is what gave him the vision and the mission to help kids who are in poverty. But not only the poverty, the... Um, the orphanage itself. Agreed. The love, as he mentioned before. Yeah, just, it was interesting a- when you said, Andre, that um, you got meals and you had a roof over your head, but you didn't have the love. No. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. That's, so, the, reason, that's the reason I, um, when we have the team from Memphis, you know, they come to do hard work for us, but there are always two or three holy kids well, and see, that's interesting because I'm from Memphis. Everybody knows I'm a Memphis guy. But, John, when you emailed me, you emailed me from Naples, yeah. Florida. Right. And you're talking about a pastor I've never heard of from Haiti. Yeah. And I had no idea that there was a Memphis connection. Yeah. I didn't either at the and time. And only learned it recently. Yeah. Well, there wasn't at that time, was there? Well, the Memphis connection came really after the, the current campus had gotten mostly finished. Our church and churches in the Naples area helped on the front end, putting together what I'd call the, the hardware. And the, the Hope Presbyterian Church here in Memphis created really the software, which is... Explain the hardware. Okay, the hardware is the, is the physical plant. When we started building that campus, first of all, the the story and Andre should tell you the story on how he purchased the property so that because they were meeting in the, in that one room home they went they moved to a second uh, a, a second home that had two rooms in it so it was really uptown doubled in size doubled in size no plumbing but still had electricity that was pretty exciting it had a TV but it didn't work <laughs> so so Andre had found a piece of property that he really liked and I thought fat chance. And so Andre went to work. And how'd you find the piece of property? How'd this, you buy the piece of property? This is a good question. Okay, okay? Good. thank you. When I was working to see my wife, to see my girlfriend, oh no, I always see the property. Uh, okay, so now I say, man, if I have that property, I will buy it and build an orphanage, church, school, and clinic. You know, that was my dream. That was your dream. That was my dream, but. 
I never go actually to the property because he is probably like 50 feet above the ocean. Yeah, and you're okay. walking six hours yeah. anyway. Who yeah. wants to take so an to extra go, truck you, up a hill? Yeah, but you cannot go to the, somebody's property like that. They're going to question you. Got okay. It. But thank God, one day I saw um, a lot of women and kids would shot in. You know, they have some a bucket, knife, you know, and they were so happy and running in the mountain. And I look in the ocean, the ocean is right there. And I saw a lot of men on the boat, you know, in the ocean. And I told that little boy, what's going on over there? You know, he didn't even take time to talk to me. I really want to go up that mountain. So I, I get that opportunity to go to, to go there too. And I was looking at the property and said, man, that's going to be a church and orphanage, things like that. But I asked him, what's going on? What's going on in the ocean? You know, in the United States, I live in Florida, okay? And then when somebody saw a shock, they said, shock, they run for their life. But in Haiti, the shock won for his life. <laughs> <laughs> because it's food. That's food right there. So that's why the Roman was ready, you know, to get some good meat from that shock, you know? So wow. this, they got him. That's a big shock. The shock. Wrong for his life, you know. <laughs> but he will wrong for the shark, uh -uh, not in Haiti. <laughs> well, Andre went after that property. And uh, Andre, tell him about how you you yes. were working. Andre okay. was working. I was working in a warehouse. Okay, I got a job, you know, and I was working in a warehouse. Self-storage place. Yeah, self-storage place. So people dump a lot of good stuff, you know, and that's and that thing. So when I go to the... um dumpster. I said, oh, man, that's TV, radio, and stuff like that, clothes, things I never see before. And they walk. So I went to my boss. I told my boss, can I use those? He said, oh, yeah, that's trash. <laughs> trash for you, not for me. So, and then I started collecting those, sto those um, stuff. And then uh, I collect so much, I don't have a place to put it. So I asked him if he can give me like a five by five, you know, to put those things. So he talked to the owner. The owner said, oh, that's fine. So they give me five by five. So I put all this thing, stuff in there. But there's some Haitian who came on the boat. They can't read. They cannot write. Okay, so I want to help them. So I went to the community center to teach them how to read, you know, and things like that. So they give me one hour. So <clears throat> I told them that I had, uh, you know, the TV thing for sale. You know, it's not cost too much. So they came to the warehouse, you know, start selling them like for a dollar, two dollars, you know, and 50 cents, this thing like that. And then I got uh, I got the money. And when I was to go home, I said, uh -uh, I'd rather leave the money right there. Because, you know, there's a ice cream truck come every afternoon and I have kids. So they will ask me for money. So that's money I was raised for that land because my brother-in-law called me about the land. I said, I'm going to buy it. Everything that I sell, I put it in the envelope. And I asked my boss to leave it in his office. And my boss uh, later on is no, uh, the um, chairman of the board. So what I did... After a few months, so I asked him, you know, let's open it together. That's money, okay? So we opened it together, $4,000. Wow. From the trash. So we went to a wire transfer and we, um, we wired the money. So we make our first deposit. 
And most of that money coming from that dumpster. And then we get a few from, you know, Pastor John, friends, you know, stuff like that. And then after I paid the land, I got the deed and everything, you know, I'm good. So I'm ready to do, start doing the building. So one day I went to the dumpster, you know, thinking that I'm going to get, you know, some good stuff. You know what I find? What? A dead cat. <laughs> <laughs> You got a good price for that too, didn't you? Oh it was a dead cat. So that's when the Lord said, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Okay. <laughs> so he was able to purchase yeah. this piece of property, seven acres on the Caribbean Sea, fronting the Caribbean Sea. For how, how much? much? For $70,000. $70,000. Yeah. But he, he raised that money from dumpster diving, $70,000. Yes. I think this is important for your army to know, Bill, that that persistence when you have a vision when you have a mission and you have that persistence that'll pay off and this is a man who walks six hours every saturday for eight years to get a wife that's right dumpster diving on balance is just not that big a deal i don't think. <laughs> we'll be right back BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. We sent a, an engineer, civil engineer down. They, they surveyed the property and they drew out a sketch of, um, you know, where this would go, where this would go. So we, so we had, uh, according to Andre's vision, we put a dormitory on, a vocational school, a clinic, and a church building. 
and we put that all in the property and uh, so the, so the, so the drawing. Right, you met him eighteen to nineteen years. I'm trying to get a timeline. Yeah. And how long after that was he able to buy the property? A couple, three years later, is that right? Uh, I would I would stretch it out a little bit more. I'd probably say four or five years. Okay, so around 2010, he plus bought the minus, property. Plus or minus, yeah. And then he said, got to have a church. Yeah. Got to have buildings for yeah. the kids. Yeah. How long from 2010 did it take to get to a campus? Here's where the rest of the hard work comes in. So uh, about that time... A gentleman in Naples, his name is Dick Stonecipher. We call him Stoney. Stoney was a direct report to Jack Welch. He ran GE Appliance. Wow. He, he went to our church. He was a friend, and he said, we need to make this work. So Stoney got involved. When Stoney got involved, things began to happen, and we built up a board. I, I say we. I, I shouldn't say we because truth of the matter is I was the pastor of the church. Andre did most of this by himself. I had some connections. What I do is I match people with resources, and that's what I do. I, I develop people. I develop relationships. And I put the two of them together, and then they built this uh, property. And I bet you that property, they probably have had about a million and a quarter, plus or minus, into that property to build that campus. So now that there is a dormitory that will accommodate up to 100 kids, indoor plumbing, electricity, wired for electricity. Indoor plumbing and electricity doesn't sound like that big a deal, except the vast majority of people in Haiti don't have indoor plumbing and electricity. Exactly. So it's, exactly. it's the Taj Mahal. Yeah, exactly. And a vocational school that has a decked out carpentry shop. There's a, a welding shop. There is a small engine mechanic so they could fix motorbikes and for the ladies he has uh, a sewing class with and they have how many you suppose 20 sewing machines would you say about yeah. 20 sewing machines in there to te teach them a trade what would you say that andre what would you say the um, unemployment rate is in haiti well on unemployment i would say probably you know like uh, probably 60 percent or no how much more. Yeah, 60. Did you say 60? I would have said 70, but he says yeah. 60, and so we'd say. So now, you're telling me three out of 10 people, four out of 10 people have a job? Yeah. Now, some people will stand by the side of the road and try to sell mangoes. I don't wouldn't call that a job. But if you're talking about a job, career type of job, I'd say that 60% is probably conservative as far as unemployment goes. So All right. So once this campus is, the land's bought, the campus is built. Yeah. To 2015? Yes, about that. Yeah. About the same. Okay. So, in about 2000, you have a dream. You go dumpster diving. You save up money. You buy the land. Pastor John puts you in touch with some people that help you build it out. And in 2015, you have a seven-acre orphanage with dorms, a church, a clinic for health and medicine. You have places to teach applied skills so that people can leave the orphanage and become gainfully employed as masons or welders or mechanics and or seamstresses, a, a which is a big deal when 60% of the population is unemployed. 
And you go from these 20 kids in a one-room house to how many kids in this orphanage now? Uh, well, we have uh, 50, uh, 45 kids. We used to have like uh, 60 kids. You know, they're growing up and some of them now going to university. You know, the, some of some them are going uh, to college. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's of, amazing. There's one of them is going to graduate next month, you know, in American University, one of the bigger university in Lake Well, I, are you bringing in new children, young children all uh, the time? Yes, yes. But right now, because of the, um, you see, constancies, you know. Um, because of the what? Uh, the manuals, you know. Because it's furniture. expensive. Yeah, it's very expensive. Well, and the board, um, Stony ate. He didn't really age out technically, but he got to the place where it was too much. And uh, so he left the board and the board kind of fell apart at that point. So they're in the, in the reconstituting the board. They're going into the next iteration of the board for Place of Hope now. This is why the Hope Church yes. in Memphis has been yes. such a tremendous help to them because now that the hardware's up and Stony largely responsible for that. Now that the hardware's up, then the software comes in behind it. And when I say software, what I mean is these are the people who care for the children, yes. who hold the children, who really take an interest in the kids. I'm not saying that that didn't happen under Stoney's direction, but this group has been extraordinary yes. in helping out in that regard. Which is the weird Memphis connection that I never yeah. knew existed. And yeah. here's Hope Church in Memphis. Unbelievable. <laughs> and then to, 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 to tell you that that was the best team. When they're going to Haiti, 16 of them, they walk. You know, um, they haven't been in Haiti for four years now, five years. And then I'm telling you, um, because of them, the way they teach the kids, you know, to do now the kids do their own dress uniform because there was a lady in that team who want to teach them how to make dress. So they make the dress and the uniform and even the bed, they make their own bed now because they teach the kid. Every time when they go over there, they don't work for, by himself. They took the kids with them, you know, to watch them, what's going on. Which know. is an interesting segue. Yes. So... Over the course of 20 years, gone from a one-bedroom house with 10, 20 kids eating so much uh, coconut. coconut that they're almost dead, and you're looking for a bag of rice, and you end up meeting the gentleman on your left who um, provides so much more in terms of oh, yes. mentoring and friendship and introductions where your search for a bag of rice for 20 kids has now turned into a second seven-acre place caring for 45 to 60 kids and what seems like to be, by Haitian standards, maybe the finest place a kid could ever end up. And it's called A Place for Hope. Yes. Orphanage. And the kids make their own outfits. They make their own uniforms, right? They make their own beds. They, because of the shop that's there, because of the hardware that's been installed, and because of the software of the love and the compassion and the teaching and the mentoring, all of this is happening. And then John's listening to a podcast one day. Yeah. I, I heard uh, Brian Kilmeade interview you. And then after I listened to that podcast, I said to my wife, you know what? I, why don't we we'll just watch that undefeated documentary so we watched that undefeated documentary very impressed with what you did there fantastic 
And then you mentioned something about an army of normal folks on that. And I said, well, I'm going to just start listening to that. And I started listening to your podcast. I think every pastor should listen to your podcast because every pastor needs to find ways, creative ways to get into the communities. And what I've heard from your podcast is a, a myriad, well, not quite a myriad, but we're getting there, a myriad of ways of reaching into the community by an army of normal folks, which is what every church is. So I listen to that podcast. and Every I, church should be, John. Yeah. yeah. What every church should be. Yeah. Okay. Well, and every pastor should, and, and this is the thing. You, you have so many, you've interviewed so many people with the creative ways of reaching into it. And I look for creative ways to get into the community. Yes. And so when I was listening to this, I heard this, and I heard this one about making beds. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I just wonder what, what Pastor Andre would think of this particular podcast. So I bookmarked it. And then I called, as soon as I finished, I called him up and said, Andre, what are you doing now? Well, nothing. And I said, come on over here. I want to I want to play this podcast for you. So we sat there and we listened to that podcast. And at the end of that podcast, Andre got a little emotional. And uh, I said, well, what, what's going on? And he said, John, that's my story. That is my story. I didn't have a bed when I was growing up. And then when I came to the United States, there were seven children and me and Angie, and uh, we had one bed, one bed for all of those, all those people. And he said, that's my story. And so at that time, we decided that um, maybe, maybe we're going to sh shift our paradigm slightly so that we're going to self-consciously now, the Place of Hope has always tried to get into their community, but never really self-consciously, always accidentally. But now maybe self-consciously, we need to be reaching into the community. And instead of being purely a resource consumer, we need to be resource distributors. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. 
Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. To remind our listeners, some have maybe have heard the episode, others have not. I highly suggest you go to Luke Mickelson's interview. His um, his uh, organization called Sleep in Heavenly Peace, and this is a guy who was sick of watching his kids sit around on the couch eating bonbons and playing video games. And one Christmas and Thanksgiving holiday time, went and got some wood and made a couple of bunk beds in his garage. And once he made the bunk bed, he didn't have anything to do with it. His kids didn't need it, but the kids got some exercise. They got to do something together and he put it on Facebook and like 20 people said, I want this bed. And he gave it away to somebody in need. And he said, heck, we're going to make another one. And by Christmas, I think he and his children had made 15 or 20 beds Mm -hmm. and given them away. And through that, simple random act he found out uh maybe even invented a term which is called child bedlessness in the Mm -hmm. united states Mm -hmm. and found out that there's children all over the united states sleeping on clothes or on a rolled up piece of carpet or nothing um early on he gave a bed to a kid that would take off their clothes, sleep on the clothes, and then put those very clothes on to go to school. So literally, they were wearing their bed to school, and his eyes were opened to the fact that there's poverty to a level in our country where children have no beds, and when they don't have a bed, they don't sleep well. When they don't sleep well, they don't study well, and when they don't study well, they're irritable, and when they're irritable, they don't do well in school, and then they have all kinds of behavioral issues, and the list goes on and on. And it's so simple that a child needs a bed, a good place to sleep. And so he started Sleep in Heavenly Peace. And since this has all happened, I think they've made and given away over seven, how many, Alex? 140,000 beds. 140,000 beds to bedless children in the United States. And so that's... The podcast you listened to, John, yeah, that you shared with Andre. Yes, right. Yes. And then Andre got emotional because Andre identified. Yep. And the irony is, Andre, I just believe that the reason in 20 years you've gone from a plot of property that some children and women were excited about a dead shark on <laughs> to now an orphanage taking care of. 45 to 60 kids a year and providing them with skills and food, but most importantly, love. Yes. Which you said was missing from your experience that you want to provide your children from. Well, I I believe the success of that comes from your experience as a three to six-year-old. Yes. And now you hear this podcast that John shares with you. And John, you just said you wanted to go from being a consumer to a provider. Andre, 
Tell us now what your vision is for the kids in your orphanage with regard to pets. Well, my vision is to go and to the beds, make the kids to the beds. Um, I so, so let me just get this right. <clears throat> Orphans with no family and no home, or maybe family that can't care for them, but certainly no home, who are living in an orphanage are now going to use the campus that has been created that has a wood shop. And now orphans are going to be making beds for Haitian children who don't live in the orphanage, but don't have a bed. So now the orphans in the orphanage are going to serve their community by making beds in the shop that they learn how to do woodworking. Yes. That's what they're going to do. What's phenomenal about the story to me, why I wanted to meet you so bad, and what is so redemptive and inspirational to me is is this. When you think of an orphan, when you think of kids living in orphanage, you think of serving them. Yeah. You don't think of them serving others. Right. And the phenomenal lesson is for the kids in the orphanage, by comparison in Haiti, look at the blessings you have to be able to live in this magnificent place. And even though you've been orphaned, you too can serve. I don't know that there's a more valuable lesson a child could ever learn than what you're going to teach them through this exercise. And to the community at large, I mean, it 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 really has the potential to change the lives of some really unfortunate, poverty-sticking children. Yes. How does that make you feel? Or, you know, that's make me feel great. That's make me feel happy. You know, um, all this trouble I went to, God was preparing me for that. So... John, (laughs) the show is an army of normal folks. And what we always find out at the end of the show is that these normal folks are anything but normal. Thus, the nickname, I guess, Andre the Giant for a five foot nine Haitian. (laughs) Um, You've seen this for the last 20 years. You've witnessed it all. You've been a part of it. You've been a party to it. you know what it is now and you know where it came from and you've watched this man take his dream with absolutely no resources and dumpster dive and beg borrow and I won't say steal, but beg borrow and knock on church windows to to get it to where it is now. Where's what's next? Well, what's next is to reconstitute the board and then to ensure that these children that are coming through the Place of Hope learn how to return to the community what they've received. Mm-hmm. Um, well, making beds for children who don't have them is a, a good first good, step. It is a good first step. And in in Haiti, my observation has been that there is a patronage culture, which is to say that many of the people in Haiti are waiting to be rescued. Right. for someone to, to mm-hmm. rescue them, take them out of it. What is less prevalent is an entrepreneurial spirit. 
And so the, the, I think the next step for the folks in Haiti is to become food secure, self-sufficient, so that they can grow their own food or produce their own, their own food. their own buildings. Mm-hmm. Get everything so that they could be self-sustaining so that they don't have to depend on anybody and to teach those kids that entrepreneurial spirit so that when they leave that place with a skill, they know then how to go and start a business of their own and sustain themselves. That's the, I think that's the next big step for them. Andre, you are an amazing human being with an amazing story. And... um This is an amazing happenstance that a pastor from Florida answered the door on a knock from Andre and what has all developed and then comes full circle to hear one of our podcasts that now is returning back to Haiti where kids are going to make Kids, orphans in an orphanage are going to make beds for the kids in the community that don't have them in one of the most poverty-stricken places that I could imagine. And John and Andre, both of you, could not be more emblematic of what we talk about when we talk about an army of normal folks that see places of need and don't fill them because they're a-listers or trust fund babies, but just normal folks who see places of need and and fill it, and in doing so, change lives. And you both have done that, and your life has been doing that, Andre. And um, I'm so <laughs> I'm so honored that we got to have this conversation. I'm humbled and inspired by by both of your commitment and story to children who desperately need it. Um, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you coming to Memphis and sharing your story with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And thank you for joining us this week. Um, A little update. Our team at an army of normal folks has decided to donate a thousand bucks to help the orphanage with material costs for building four beds, which are more expensive in Haiti because getting the materials to Haiti is so expensive. And Reverend John's church has decided to match another $1,000 gift. If you'd be interested in empowering Haitian orphans to help bedless kids in their community, you can donate any amount to placeofhopeinhaiti.org and write beds in the comment box. Or if you'd be interested in helping the orphanage in general, you can of course do that as well. And if Andre or John or other guests have inspired you in general, or better yet to take action, please, seriously, y'all, let me know. I wanna hear about it. You can write me anytime at bill at normalfolks.us and I will respond. If you enjoyed this incredible episode, which I cannot imagine how you could enjoy this episode. Share it with friends and on social. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. Become a premium member at normalfolks.us. All these things that will help us grow an army of normal folks. Remember, guys, the more people, the more impact. I'm Bill Courtney. I'll see you next week.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.